0: Glad that you 're here today. this is a wonderful, wonderful crowd we've been having a great morning so far. started off six thirty with a a great crowd out on the front lawn. It was so cool and beautiful at the beginning. You could see the moon and the the sun and just visualize I know most of you guys were asleep, so just visualize what it was like on Easter Sunday to be a part of that. So I want to add my welcome to Wes and to Leanne. Uh, I found out this morning I am the lead minister. Uh, I used to be called the senior minister. I've certainly been called much worse, so I'll take whatever they'll give me. We are so glad that you're here. I want us to read the resurrection story, and I'd like you to stand out of reverence for God's Word as we read from Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took their spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly, two men, clothed clothed in gleaming like lightning, Excuse me, stood beside them. In the fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he's still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like. Nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You may be seated. I, I, love, I love that story, and, and when we come to Easter, we love to read that story, but something I've passed over quite frequently as I've read this story is something that you may not have noticed, something that's very easy to overlook, and that's the skepticism. There's skepticism surrounding this story. We just read in verse 11 where it says they didn't believe these women. They thought what they said was actually nonsense. If we keep reading in the chapter, verse 21, they had hoped he was the Son of God, but he hadn't been. In chapter 32, it says that they doubted who he was. They were troubled with their doubts. And so we see throughout this chapter that there's great skepticism surrounding this story. I've not noticed that. I think it's healthy for us to notice that. Listen, my friends, when anything is unexpected, it brings skepticism. When something happens that you don't ever expect, you're not so sure whether you should believe it or not. Reminds me of the story of this married couple. They were having a lot of marriage issues. Um, they'd been going to counseling and not getting very far. The husband was not very expressive and the wife was tired of it. And so finally, one day after counseling, the counselor actually took the man to the side and said, Sir, if you want to win your wife back over, you've got to do something that surprises her, that expresses your love toward her. Please do something unexpected. So he got his courage up, decided he would do it. He was headed off to work in his truck. But early that morning, he got up before his wife, put a coat and tie and suit in the truck, went off to work, took off the latter part of the day, dressed up in this beautiful coat and tie, drove by the florist, picked up a bouquet of roses, shows up at his front door in the middle of the afternoon, and he rings the doorbell. And she comes to the door. And her reaction was she began just to, to weep. She's just crying. It wasn't the reaction he expected. And finally, he said, baby, what is wrong? And she goes, you, you, you won't believe what's happening today. Little Johnny was at school, was misbehaving, and they sent him home. The, 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 the washer blew a hose, and there's water all over the basement. Your, your, your mother called, and she's going to be here for two weeks and 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 you you look 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 at you you're drunk <laughs> I mean she's just not expecting it and think about so many things in our world that we don't expect now don't don't get political on me just stay with me for a second who would have expected three years ago the star of the apprentice, my goodness, would be our president? Can you laugh about that just for a second? Can we loosen up, all right? Who would have dreamt that McDonald's is now Serving fresh meat. <laughs> I mean, my, it, it's so many big, the, the biggest thing I can think about, honestly, is all the people that doubt that a man walked on the moon. It was so unexpected. It only happened one time. The most recent poll says a good twenty percent of Americans don't believe it happened. Why? Well, because it was so unexpected, so unusual. And maybe even more unexpected for you and I is that the phone I hold in my hand has more computing power in this than the whole lunar module. It's crazy. You see, when something is unexpected, we legitimately have skepticism. And let me say this. Even about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the skepticism is warranted. Because if there's one fact you could count on in history, listen to me, is that dead people stay what? Dead. I mean, you could just count on that. You see, it would be easy here on April the 1st to think the resurrection of Jesus is just a great April fool's joke. Because dead people stay dead. We struggle with death. A few years ago, Sesame Street was trying to figure out how to teach children about death because... One of their characters, a man named um, Tim Johnson, had passed away. And he had played a guy named Mr. Hooper on Sesame Street. And he died. And they don't know how to let bring this up to the children. So they, they call some psychologists in. And the psychologists warned them. Here's some things not to say. Do not say Mr. Hooper got sick and died. Because these children might get sick. And they might think they're going to die. Do not say, Mr. Hooper got old and he died. Because they got grandparents. And they'll think immediately they're going to die. Do not please say, Mr. Hooper died and he went to heaven. Because we don't want to say that. So what do we say? Here's what they figured out to say. What you need to say is, Mr. Hooper's gone. He won't be back. And we'll miss him. That's the best they could come up with. Mr. Hooper's gone. He won't come back, and we'll miss him. So they show this episode on Thanksgiving so parents can watch it with their children. Big Bird comes into the room, and he's got a a present for Mr. Hooper. And, And one of the characters says, Big Bird, don't you recognize, don't you remember that Mr. Hooper is dead? And Big Bird says, well, when he comes back, I'll give him the gift. And then someone put their arm around Big Bird and said when people die, they don't come back. Aristotle put it this way, death appears to be the end of everything. So the best we can come up with in our culture is, he came, he's gone, he won't come back, but we'll miss him. You see, with the Producers of Sesame Street wanted to do is they wanted to to teach these children how to make it through death and to comfort them. But honestly, you know as well as I do, they gave them absolutely nothing to deal with the fear of death. Here's the great news this morning. Easter gives us the truth we need to deal with death. So the question this morning that must envelop our time together is, is it true? If it's true, then death has been defeated. If it's not true, then you come, you go, we'll miss you, but that's it. So how are we going to answer that question? I want to invite you to turn, if you have your Bible or your phone, to the Gospel of Luke. And what Luke is going to give us is Luke is going to give us a second opinion. You ever need a second opinion? Maybe you've been to the doctor and the, the diagnosis was really bad and they go, boy, you got this sickness and your friends say, oh my goodness, I think I'd go to second opinion. I, I, I don't have that story, but years ago I had this old car having transmission problems and I went to a, a nationwide transmission shop and I took my car in. I went back to get it out. They said, man, your, your, your transmission's completely out. It's going to cost you $2,500 to replace it. Luckily, I had a good friend who said, you better get a second opinion. So I went to a local shop. They checked it out and said, oh, my, we can fix this for $300. What are you going to do? You're going for the second opinion, right? Now, that's what's happening in the Gospel of Luke. Let me tell you about the characters. First of all, you've got Luke, who is the writer. You need to understand this. Luke was not Jewish. He was not an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, he's a doctor, and he's a very good historian. Now, the next character mentioned in the first few verses is a guy named Theopolis. Now, Theopolis, it appears, was a rich man who had enough money to say, Luke, I want you to investigate this. I don't know if Theopolis was not a Christian and trying to decide to be a Christian, or he was a young Christian with doubts. But he said, I need to know whether this story is true. So he gives this great historian enough money to go research it. Now, the goal is obvious in the first few verses. The goal is that you would know with certainty. Now, when we buy a book now, we have the ability to thumb through the book and go, okay, how does the book end up? Let me see, I know the beginning, but what what goes on? In this day, you didn't have that because you had scrolls. And, and, And so... If you wanted to know what went on the book, the author had to tell you at the very beginning because you could unroll the scroll enough to simply see the first four verses. So in the first century, they go right to the punch, and that's exactly what Luke does in this second opinion. Listen to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us. By those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Theopolis says, I'm not so sure about this thing. Luke, would you check this thing out? Because before I believe in the resurrection, and I make Jesus come on, the ruler of my life, I better know this is for real, and so better you. So if you walk in this room this morning with skepticism, I'm telling you, that's okay. Now, the question we'll boil down to is, can we trust what Luke has said? I mean, can we really believe that this story is true? So I want to give you, really quickly, six pieces of evidence that would help you believe the story is true. Here we go. Number one, Luke is a proven, accurate historian. He's not just your average Bible writer. He is very careful. Now, 60 or 70 years ago, people doubted this. Many people thought that Luke was very confused. Because you may understand that Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the sequel, which is Acts. And, and, and people thought that Acts was very inaccurate. In fact, many people believed there were cities mentioned in Acts that didn't exist. And sometimes when Luke would give directions, he was giving wrong directions. And so there was a, a British archaeologist. His name was Sir William Ramsey, and, and he was an expert in Middle East who decided that he was going to study this. And he, did, he was not a believer. So he, he set out to put the writings of Luke on trial. And he studied them for years. Here was his conclusion. My study showed Luke's writings could bear the most minute scrutiny, a model for history. And then he said, You may press the words of Luke beyond any historian." And they stand the keenest scrutiny. Guess what happened to Sir William Ramsey? He started out as an unbeliever and became a believer because he began to go, you know what? When Luke writes something down, you can count on it. So that's number one. Number two might surprise you. It's, it's simply the skepticism in the story. You say, well, I think the skepticism would make me skeptical. Well, the truth is this. If you're going to make up a story that's not true, do you put skeptics in it? Do you write these people, their first reaction to the resurrection was this is nonsense? No. I think that's an indirect proof that what Luke is writing is not trying to fool somebody. He's trying to give, like he says, an accurate account. And I'm about to defend about half the people in the audience right now, but this is the history of the first century. It's number three, the women witnesses. Guys, in the first century, you would never have put, if you're making something up, the women being the first witnesses. I know this is crazy, but in the first century, a woman's testimony was not even accepted in a court of law. You come a long ways, baby, amen? Thank God. And yet they put the women as the first people to testify the resurrection. And then if we keep going, number four, there's this tomb that's empty. All anybody's ever needed for the last 2,000 years to completely destroy Christianity is to produce the body of Jesus. Nobody has. They've tried to explain it away, but they can't produce the body. And then number five is eyewitness testimony. Here's what Luke does. Luke goes and he interviews the eyewitnesses. I want to make sure, Luke's saying, that all of their stories collaborate. I want to make sure they're all still saying the same thing. Listen to me. I've not thought about this until this week. Of the 11 apostles, if just one of them had ever said, Sorry, guys, it's not true. Sorry, we dumped his body in a river. Sorry, we never saw him, my friend. Just one out of 11. Christianity would have been dead in the water. But Luke investigates, and they all consistently tell the same story. And then that brings us to, I think, the great piece of evidence, which is the sequel that, that Luke writes. Remember, he writes the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes a book that we call Acts. The full name of Acts is Acts of the who? Apostles. Why? because Luke's trying to say, here's what they saw, and here's what it did. And it's crazy. Just a few days later, Christianity explodes. Peter gets up and preaches about the resurrection of Jesus, and 3,000 people immediately become Christian. And just a, a couple of chapters beyond that, there's 10,000. Um, this thing is exploding on us. And then another chapter after that, They they call Peter and John in, and they begin to question them about this being true. They would do what any good police investigation would do. You would separate the witnesses. Because one or two witnesses might tell you something different than the other nine. And they keep saying the same thing. And finally, they threaten them. They say, you know, we are so sick and tired of this Easter resurrection business because all all our people are starting to become Christians. And listen to me, Peter and John, if you don't shut your mouth up about this, we are going to kill you. Now, what do you say then? They go, we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. My friends, if you know the story is made up and they say they're going to kill you, you're not going to die for something that you know to be a lie. And yet we keep reading the book of Acts. We see James, a martyr for Christianity. My friends, people still die for Christianity all the time, but it doesn't prove anything like those in the, gospel, in, in the book of Acts. Why? Because you and I could die for it. That would, that would say something. That's pretty powerful. But, but, but for, for these guys to die for it, who absolutely, they knew. They knew if they'd seen him or not. You don't die for something you know to be a lie. And so I'm just presenting to you evidence only from Luke. So you say, okay, buddy, that's nice, and I appreciate that. But what difference does that make? Well, let me give you you three things that the Scripture says the difference it makes. First of all, Jesus proved to be the Son of God. That's what Romans 1 verse 4 says. It proved that He was the Son of God. He he was not just someone who was a good teacher. You see, the world wants to say He came, He was a good guy, good teacher. But it doesn't want to say He's the Son of God because that means He can run my life. A second, Jesus prevailed over our enemy, death. Why does PBS do a special on death? Because death is our greatest fear. The special I'm referring to was shown Monday night. I, I taped it because it looked so interesting. It was called, "Into the Darkness. How people deal with death. It was a full two hours. The first hour was full of atheists and agnostics. Let me tell you what they said. The best way to deal with death is to embrace the uncertainty. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. Most of us actually think that you will just cease to exist. So just embrace that. In fact, here's what they said. The worst thing you could have is certainty. Because it's certainty that has caused most of the evil in the world. Can you believe that? Certainty. My friends, I'm telling you, I believe uncertainty has caused a lot more evil in the world than certainty. But that was their answer. And then the second hour, they show this dear Christian woman dying of cancer, and she had an amazing testimony of her confidence and certainty in facing death because she believed in the resurrection of Jesus. You see what 1 Corinthians 15 said, he was the first one, and he's the proof of what's going to happen with you and I. The the resurrection of Jesus is not just about Jesus, my friend. It's about that loved one that you lost this past year that you mourned this Easter. It's about all of us who are getting closer every day to death. We can face death with certainty. And then then one more point is Jesus' power is available to change your life. So you can go, okay, buddy, you know, I I, I got the proof. I think it happened 2,000 years ago. And I believe when I... You know what? i die. I think I'll go to heaven. But, but, but help me right now. What? This is a tough world. I face temptation every day. I face trials. My life's not going so hot. What does the resurrection have to do with that? Listen, here's what Scripture says. The Holy Spirit resurrected Jesus, Romans chapter 8. Ephesians chapter 1. The same mighty power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is available in your life. So it's not just about 2,000 years ago, it's not just about death, it's about right now. Now I want to illustrate that today. I'm going to ask my buddy Austin Saunders to join me on stage. And I just want to talk a moment about what God has done in his life. Because so often, you know, we read this, we even believe this, but it's you know it's just sort of Easter and we blow it off. But I want you to hear the story of a, of a changed life. And I've, I've really come to love Austin these last couple years. He's become a big part of our church. If you're ever in a Bible class with him, he's the guy that makes everybody laugh, okay? Austin is, 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 is super, but when we found Austin, he wasn't that way. Uh, years ago, Austin was really fired up about the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, just sold out. But Austin, tell them about what happened in your life that sent you down a different path.
1: Sure. Well, it's... It's not unique, but it's my story. It's what happened to me. And it, it, it's a result of a divorce um, and, and then some job issues. And uh, after the divorce, you know, I, I started uh, going out on my own or just going out every night and um, not bringing God along with me or even talking to God during the day. Um, I kind of left God back in the old life that I had and slowly... A little bit at a time, as I drew farther away from him, you know, my heart hardened, and he, you know, I, I, I began to act on my own and and follow the ways of the world, really, um, and develop bad habits. Um, and then um, I met my wife, uh, April, at the time, and and she was not. She grew up Church of Christ, but had not yet made the commitment to uh, be baptized and and to have a relationship. So y'all were at that
0: point, when y'all first met, you're not going to church? No, we were not going Why not?
1: Um, Because one, we didn't know, we didn't really want to. I mean, honestly, we we weren't thinking about it at that point. Um, it It was more convenient to stay home on Sunday morning, especially, you know, after you'd gone out the night before, but... Um, what we we found as time went on, and we we our children grew up, uh, is questions began to come to us um, about well, why aren't we going to church? Or questions about God and Jesus, and and so um, we both realized that you know we got to do something. It God is calling us. This is His way of reaching out to us and saying, okay enough of this. It's time to get back to my business. And so we started church shopping, trying to find a church that we could both agree on because we come from really two different backgrounds. Uh, and that was not easy. Um, but we, we ended up here and we, we came in and I think immediately we knew through the power of the Holy Spirit, really just telling us that this is where God wants us. And um, tell, as tell, a result tell, tell, of that... It,
0: yeah, tell what happened with April. Easy, this is so cool. Well, I'm sorry, easy. man.
1: It's my story, man. I knew you'd get a laugh. Thank you. Okay. So as a result... I am the interviewer. Excuse <laughs> me. Yes. And it's your show, but I'm your guest, so... <laughs> That's the
0: smartest thing you set up here.
1: <laughs> so, so as a result of coming here, you know, we, we, we just dove in to what everything Landmark had to offer, and we've created such beautiful uh, relationships with our small groups, both on Sunday night and on Wednesday nights. And uh, we actually were greeters for the first time ever today, which was awesome. But as a result of that, April had made the decision to to finally get baptized. And it was um, a pretty special moment for not only her, but her parents, um, who have been waiting. Um, and I'll let her tell that story. I don't need to talk about her anymore. But what it did for me is it it helped me feel the power of the Holy Spirit through the body of Christ, uh, which is something I haven't felt in a long time. And the worship that we, we – uh, Jeremy does a fantastic job in all of the uh, praise team. They do a fantastic job especially. I've heard it three times this morning. and It gets better and better. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, it's – it 's things it 's this journey that i 've i 've gone through that I look back and you know pulling away from God is like a sickness mm. it, it, and if if you fall into the world 's trap it 'll pull you down into a place that you you aren 't happy yeah. you know as a result of this this time i 've got anger problems i 've got uh depression problems and and anxiety problems as as all a result really of what i've gone through and and the fact that i didn't keep god in my life
0: but, uh, you mentioned to me earlier there was there was one line that you heard that was pivotal in you making this resurrection what sure. was that
1: it was that god meets you where you are and i think you preached on that one morning uh, and I've heard it on several other occasions here in the church and some other activity. And to me, that really spoke to me because, and I think to April, because, you know, in her mind, you had to live up here in order to be She had not saved. been baptized, Correct. I remember, because she thought she had to be perfect. She had to be perfect. And uh, for me, I was, you know, guilty or guilt and shamed. And didn't think that I was able to reach back up to at least where I was. And I was not, like, perfect, but um, I was better than I am now, but I'm getting better. And it was that, that phrase, God meets you where you are, to me is such a sign of the grace of God. And, I, and you know, I appreciate part.
0: you saying that because so often we say these lines as Christians— we just sort of say it, God meets you right where you are. But that's true, you know? You don't have to come in here perfect. I hope there are people here today that are hearing what you're saying, that Satan's been whispering in their ear, mm-hmm. you have no hope. You screwed up too bad. But mm-hmm. God says, Jesus did this over and over. He just took people where they were. So
1: I, so we stay real here. There's still some struggles in your life, right, Austin? Absolutely, there is. I still have, you know... Uh Some issues with alcohol that I need to uh, address. uh, And uh, I still have some anger um, and some, you know, anxieties and things. And um, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But what I I am doing is being intentional about little by little. I'm sitting down reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm asking for God's help. I'm not trying to do it on my own. Um, I mean, we, I think we all, at some point, try to do it on our own. I mean, it's just kind of the human nature in us. But um, it's, it's the, the, the intentional stopping and going, I need God right now. No, let, let, me God.
0: Ask, let me ask one more question. I appreciate your honesty. but I know a lot's changed. So tell me how your life is different today than it was two years ago.
1: You've asked me this twice and I still can't answer it, right? It's been... I
0: noticed you didn't mention the, therm- the sermon three times, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: another time. Um, well, it, the way it's changed is because I have a lot more peace uh, in, in my life just by uh, being around, you know, the body of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that's working through y'all. And... April and I are, are praying together. Amen. Not always, but we are praying together. I mean, it's, it's kind of awkward at moments. We go, should we pray? <laughs> yeah, let's pray. And, and so it, it's baby steps back into, for me, something that I did before. But, you know, it's like working out, which I don't do. But I hear that if you go away from it, yes. it's harder to get back That's into That's a whole
0: it. new story, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Would you guys give Austin a hand for sharing so honestly with Thank us this you. morning? Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. So, I want to ask you as we close out this morning um, what's your reaction to this story? Uh, I mean, you've heard the story, many of you have heard it hundreds of times. What's your reaction to the Easter story? Um, I, I think we can look back at the apostles and we can even give the reaction without words. In the first part of the story, their reaction was just a, a big, black, bold period. When Jesus died, they thought it was all over. They locked themselves in an upper room, scared to death, because they think all they've got is a dead guy that was a great religious teacher. And there may be some of you come here today, and that's the way you came here. You thought, this is just fiction. When the truth is, I hope you've seen, this is rooted in history. And, and maybe some of us come, and we begin to hear this, and, and our next reaction was like theirs. They begin to hear these rumors. They're not too sure about it. But they begin to question, could this be true? Is this real? Uh, I think I remember Jesus saying something about this. And maybe he really did resurrect from the dead. What? crazy difference could that make in my life or maybe today like them it makes you stop and think it's just a comma maybe today and if you've come here not so sure about the story i'm preaching about i'm cool with that i think god's cool with that he's cool with you investigating that's why he wrote the book of luke and so maybe today can be a comma in your life to go you know what I've been going headlong into my own life, acting like none of the Christian story is true. And today, I at least need to pause and give it a shot. I know in my life, when I was the most full of doubts and not sure if I should live my life for Jesus Christ... It was the study of the resurrection of Jesus that turned everything around because it made me pause and go, you know, I can't prove everything about God. I can't even prove everything about the Bible. But I'm telling you, I believe, after looking at the history, that Jesus resurrected from the dead. And so that would bring you to the last. And that's just a bold exclamation point that you, you believe it's true. I mean, you leave this service going, you know what? I don't have to fear death. You know what? I can overcome that sin. I can be like Austin. I can, I can at least start making some progress. And, and I don't have to be perfect to start it. God takes me just the way I am. And so you could boldly leave this service. This is what I'm asking you to do. With an exclamation point that says, You know what? I think it's true. And it's not just true. It's true for me. I, I love the story of the young couple. The lady has terminal cancer. They got a couple of small children. And she's struggling. And she's getting closer to death. And so one day she says to her husband. Could you tell me. What we believe. And he said these four words. That changed her. Focus. and could change your life. Could you tell me what we believe, sir? The tomb is empty. Say it with me. The tomb is empty. Say it with an exclamation point. The tomb is empty. That would change everything. Today, if you believe the tomb is empty, and you're ready to follow Jesus, and you want to meet him in his death, burial, and resurrection, we call that baptism. Because it highlights everything that happened this weekend. His death, his burial, and his glorious resurrection. And it says you can have a brand new life. Or, or today, like Austin has shared, something's bad happened in your life. You've been through a divorce. You've been through bankruptcy. You've been through moral failure on your own. You've gotten discouraged. You, you're struggling with depression. I, I, I don't know what your struggle may be. We all have them. But for some reason, you're off track. But today, you understand that the tomb is empty. And the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead could change your life today. And you want the church to pray for you and with you
1: before you walk out these doors. Come right now while we stand together and sing.